The following message is a presentation from Grace Baptist Church in Kettering, Ohio. I want to draw your attention for the last little bit that we're together this morning uh, back to Matthew chapter number 1, and we'll allude to some of the passages there. Matthew chapter number 1 and verse number 18. Uh, Brother Seth mentioned verse 21, for he shall save his people from their sins. One of the greatest things as we come into this uh, season is to realize the true gift that Jesus Christ is to us. We've been preaching here for the last couple of weeks on the subject of Christmas at home. Uh, sometimes it can be messy. We're uh, getting into the final uh, days before Christmas. And uh, you realize that not everything happens, not all the expectations are met. Are you with me on that? Sometimes you, your expectations are up here and in actuality it's, it's, it's right about here. Uh, getting things prepared, maybe getting gifts out, uh, getting shopping done, making a plan, whatever the case may be, or maybe something's come up at home that just frustrates the daylights out of you and you don't feel like it's the most wonderful time of the year, right? And uh, it really, in, in, in a lot of ways, 2020 has, uh, has really challenged that. We can go into this week and really wonder, uh, can it still be the most wonderful time of the year? You know, can it still be a great time? Can we still have a good Christmas? And the answer is yes. I want to just talk to you for a few moments about success at home. And I do not mean success in a worldly sense. Um, I want to help you this morning with just a few thoughts that I think will, will challenge and really guide us even through uh, the rest of this week. You know, as I've, as I've talked to people uh, through the pandemic, you have people, uh, moms that have taken on homeschooling. And, uh, and you have dads who have worked from home, moms who have worked from home. Uh, challenging, challenging uh, our feelings of success. Uh, even you think about how teenage depression, uh, suicide, all that type of stuff has risen during, our, uh, during this last uh, year. It's, it's been quite a challenge, but all those things bring pressures to us at home. And as we think about that, how can we truly have successful homes, successful lives, uh, the world's going to offer us many essentials. They're going to say, you need this and you'll have success. Have you not heard that? Does that not come across in the different TV programming and the different podcasts, the different books? You walk through a bookstore and you, or you walk through uh, and see some magazines on, on successful living and so on and so forth. And you, you hear about all this and it's like the world is constantly offers, offering us things that, that to them are essentials for us to have success. Eight tips and you'll be a successful parent. Right, have you read those articles before? And, and, and it's like sometimes you read this stuff and it's like it, it leaves you empty and for good reason because a lot of it, times it, it comes from human experience and our own, our own understanding, our own imagination. Uh, the world's going to tell you that you need uh, something tangible in order to be successful at home. You need a certain amount of square footage in your house. The reason your house is falling apart is because you don't have enough room, Right? You, you with me? There's always something that I need. I need this. If I have this gadget or if I have this tool, if I have this new calendar app, then I'll be able to manage my time, right? There's always something more, and they give us essentials for our lives to be successful, but the fact is success in our lives and success in our homes does not begin with a new gadget or something else, but it does begin with Jesus Christ, and that is something that as we are in an increasingly secular world, is, is, is just put out of our minds. Uh, success begins with Jesus Christ. And let me take it a step further. A successful home will be a home that is Christ, 
centered, Christ-centered. Uh, that everything that goes on in that home is centered around the Lord Jesus Christ. And so let's think about two, two thoughts or two points that will help us to understand what it means to have a Christ-centered home or a Christ-centered life. Maybe you're hearing it's just you at home, okay? Let's have a Christ-centered life. Number one, I want you to notice that we need to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ for our Savior like we already heard. Many of these Christmas songs teach us that, that principle that he came to save us from our sins, and that's exactly what he did. I want you to look at Matthew 1 and verse number 21. Would you look at it with me? Matthew 1 and verse number 21. It tells us there, And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name, say it with me, Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. Do you realize that as this angel came to Joseph that night, this was an earth-shaking, this was a life-altering revelation that he was giving to Joseph. Joseph did not expect this. All he knew as he went to bed is, it seems as if my, my fiancé has been unfaithful. And because I'm a just man and I don't want to make her a public example, I'm going to put her away privately. And Jesus, uh, the, the angel of the Lord comes to Joseph and says, listen, I want you to know what has happened is from God. This is a conception that has come from God. This is what has been promised all throughout the Old Testament. This is the promised Messiah. He is coming into your home, and I just want you to know about that. Isn't it amazing? Can you imagine being selected to be the home in which the Messiah would be raised up? What an amazing thing. So he gets this, and, and he says, I want you to name him. He's going to be called Jesus, and this is the reason I want you to call him Jesus, because this is what his name means. He's going to save his people from a sense. So we talk about accepting a personal Savior. Well, that's what Jesus means. He's a Savior. Savior. So when you hear about being saved, what does that mean? That, that is literally the definition of the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is a Savior. He shall save his people from our sins. He's, uh, he's noted in this passage of scripture in two ways. He's described as the Savior, the one who would save us from our sins, and then in verse number 23, as God with us. Now let that sink in. God with us. Do you know all other religions in the world, their gods are so distant from the worshipers. They can never get close to them. Do you know Christianity offers you the opportunity to be connected, to be reconciled with God? Isn't that an amazing thing? He doesn't want to be some distant stranger to you. He wants to be a personal father, a close friend. The Bible says there is a brother that sticketh closer than a brother. That's the Lord Jesus Christ, Savior, God with us. He came to earth to save us from our sins. And many times we don't like to think about this matter of sins, but literally what, what God is saying is, he came, came uh, sent Jesus Christ to earth to rescue you from your estrangement from God. The Bible says you and I are enemies, born enemies of God. That isn't popular, that, that, that goes against everything inside of us, but the fact is we were born separated from God because of our sins. And Jesus came to save us, to rescue us from that estrangement from God. We were separated by our sins. Your iniquities, all of your sinfulness, your past sin, your present sin, your future sin, your sinfulness, your propensity to, um, to act against the law of God. All of that is what Jesus came to rescue you from. And to rescue you from the consequences of that sin. I think a lot of times you hear out in public, in the world, 
oh, we're all God's children. Have you heard that? Right, we're all God's children. Well, true, we, in, in this sense, we all were created by God. But not everyone on earth right now is a child of God. The Bible says that we are enemies of God. We are separated from him because of our sin. And how important it is to realize that our sin separates. And I'll, I'll hear people say, well, I'm not that bad of a sinner. And I'll, I'll talk to them about receiving Jesus Christ and say, I'm not that bad of a sinner. I don't do that bad of things. I, I'm better than the next guy. And you know what? Even as we heard them playing the harp and the saxophone this morning, uh, I know there's one person at least in here that plays the harp. Is there anyone else? Side charity over here? Okay. Anyone play the saxophone? Okay. All right. This is, well, I am learning all sorts of things this morning. Recruiting is happening after the service. <laughs> wow. What other instruments are hidden out in here? But you know, in some ways, I, I, don't, know, I don't know your different levels, but I would imagine in some ways you might feel like I'm, I'm not that good uh, when you compare yourself to, to what was played this morning. I don't know. Maybe, may, maybe you're really good and you're really hiding this thing. But the fact is, a lot of times we like to compare ourselves, right? And so immediately as human beings, even as, as you who play those instruments, you compare yourself. Well, I wish I could do that. I, I wish I could figure out how to do that. We compare. And we like to take that right into our relationship with God. Well, I'm not that bad of a sinner. I'm not as bad as him. But the fact is, he isn't the standard. Jesus Christ is, who is absolutely, perfectly holy. Not one sin. So when you begin to justify your own sinfulness and say, I'm not that bad of a sinner, realize it isn't compared with everyone else that you need to be uh, worried about. It's the fact that you are being, God is comparing you with his son, Jesus Christ, who is absolutely holy. And in that, in that situation, we all fall short of the glory of God. Every one of us. And we're all in that same boat, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But Jesus did not come into the world to condemn the world. He didn't come to, to throw your sin in your face and say, hey, look how bad of a sinner you are. Enjoy that thought. No, he didn't do that. The Bible says he did not come into the world, John 3, 17, to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved, might be rescued. So that's what he wants to do. He doesn't want to just highlight your sin. He wants to give you a path out of it. The fact is, many religions in the world today, they highlight your sin and they keep you on this hamster wheel of just trying to atone for your sins and get some peace from your sin and from your guilt and it's over and over. And once you die, you might find out whether or not you were good enough for eternal life. God doesn't do that. He came in the world to save you, to rescue you right now from your sin. Isn't that amazing? That's our God. This grace has appeared to all men, and he calls on you to receive it. But as many as receive him, John 1, 12, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God. That's how you become a child of God. The world says, oh, because they want to, they want to feel good. And the world says, everyone's a child of God. No, to them that received him, Jesus, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, the authority, the right to become the child of God. Let me ask you a question. Have you received Jesus Christ today as your personal Savior? You cannot have a successful home apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, a Christian home is one in which, one in which 
the, the members of that home have trusted in Jesus Christ to be their Savior. Have you trusted him? Have you received that free gift of eternal life? Do you know with confidence that when you die that you'll spend an eternity in heaven with God? Do you have confidence right now that all of your sins are forgiven? You can. Right now. Say, well, I, 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 you don't know me, Pastor. I'll have to wait till I die and stand before God. That's up to him. I hear a lot of people say, it's up to him. No, you can know right now. He wants you to know. And if you know that right now, would you give a good amen to that? Amen. Praise the Lord for salvation. You can know right now. And we want you to, and if, we, if you allow us the opportunity after the service or set up a time where we can talk with you and answer any questions about that, we'd certainly love to. I want you to know that having a successful home starts with trusting Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. But a Christian home being one in which the members of that home are, have trusted Christ, uh, that's a Christian home. I hope that's, I hope that's the case. But I want you to know this, that a Christ-centered home is one in which those Christians have allowed God's word to be the ultimate authority and guide. And this is where the rubber meets the road in a lot of our lives. Because I find that even Christian homes sometimes fall apart. Do you hear me on that? Just because you claim to be a Christian and just because you are a Christian does not mean that we have Christ-centered homes. And it does not mean that we have a Christ-centered life. Are you with me on that? Do you know there's, there's some Christians that, that live their lives, and the only time that Christ is in focus is when they're in an auditorium like this? That's not Christ-centered. And friends, that does not lead to success in our lives. It does not lead in, uh, to success in our, in our families and how I encourage you this morning to realize the importance of building your life upon God's word and building your family's life upon God's word. What does that mean? A church service every day in your home? Not necessarily, but it means that your home is just centered around the things of God, that the word of God is the final authority in your home. Not what you feel, not what you've experienced, not what you think, but you go back to the word of God. This is the final authority for your home. And listen, it can't be the final authority if it is not the priority in your home. Let me talk to you a moment about that, making the word of God a priority in your home. The fact is, in Matthew chapter number one, in verses 21 and 23, Jesus is described to us as our savior, and he's described to us as God with us. John chapter one describes him as the word in human flesh. Literally as the word of God enrobed in human flesh. He is the expression of God to us. How do we understand God? How do we know what God wants? By, by looking at Jesus Christ, by reading his word and allowing us to understand him through his word. He is the expression of God in human flesh. He is the word of God. And there is no other words of God. He is the word of God. Aren't you thankful for that? And if, if we do not make Jesus Christ the priority in our homes and his word the priority in our homes, we will not have a successful home. I cannot underscore that enough. Maybe you feel like your home is falling apart and even through this season you're, you're struggling. Listen, friends, get back to the Bible. And maybe that seems oversimplistic to you, but I'm telling you, this book will absolutely revolutionize your home. 
When you allow the word of God and its principles to be uh, the dictator in your home or, the, uh, or the, uh, the authority, I should say, in your home where it is what calls the shots in your home. So when it comes to matters of forgiveness or matters of, of how you interact with one another, matters of contentment in this time of year, this book calls the shots. The priority of the home. Listen, without Jesus Christ in the center of your home, without him in his word as the, as the revealed word of God, the living word of God, our homes cannot be successful. So what does this say? Do you know that sometimes when our, when our homes are falling, when the wheels are falling off our home, we've gotten off track in our home. Do you realize a lot of times that's just an indicator that we've gotten away from the Bible in our home? Is that not convicting? So what does that mean this week? How can you pull the Bible back to center stage? How can you take it off the coffee table or off the shelf uh, and, and put it back center stage in your home? What's that going to look like for you? I've included in your notes this morning something that we're not going to fully go over, but some practical principles to live by. It needs to be the priority of your home because without Jesus, the revealed word of God, the, there is no success in our homes. But the practicing of the word of God, we can't just hear it in services. We can't just read it and understand it. It has to be lived out. I want you to notice this verse. I have it in your notes this morning, Joshua 1.8. If, uh, if you don't have one of the notes, I encourage you to write this down and think about it. Joshua 1 and verse number 8. It says this, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. Joshua is being instructed by God. If you want to have a successful life, this is what needs to happen. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then, for then, then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have, you remember? Good success. Do you know God actually tells us in Scripture how to have success, uh, successful lives and successful homes? The Word of God. You know what God tells us to do, fathers, mothers? Deuteronomy 6 and verse number 7, to teach the word of God as we sit down at dinner, as we rise up in the morning, as we drive in the car. It doesn't say drive in the car. But as you walk by the way, wherever you go, you are to be teaching the word of God. It is to have the center focus in your home. It is, to, it is to be dominant in your home. It is to be the authority within your home. And it is to be practiced within your home. Literally, parents, you are responsible. You are tasked from God to communicate the word of God to your children and then hold them to obedience towards the word of God. That's what we are to do. I've given you a list of different principles to live by and some references all the way down through there. I hope that that list will jog your thinking. Think of the different principles from Scripture that you need to make sure that are being taught and lived by within your home. A Christ-centered home, one person said it this way, is where he is the head of the house. Sometimes guys, I'm the head of the house, what I say goes. No, he is the head of your home. And and men, maybe it's time in your homes, and the first step perhaps for you is to say, God, I, I'm tired of calling the shots around here. From now on, you're going to call the shots around here. You're going to be the head of this home. He's the head of the home, the unseen guest at every meal. 
how would that change our meal conversations? Don't do a whole lot of complaining when, the, um, when Jesus is your guest, right? Don't have to do a whole lot of worrying either. The silent listener to every conversation. How would that change your home? If Christ was the center of your home, let me tell you, in God's eyes, it would be a success. Jesus, Jesus in Matthew chapter number 7, after he preached the Sermon on the Mount, he gave an illustration to kind of wrap it up. And it was the illustration of the, the wise man and the foolish man. How many of you remember this song? The wise man built his house upon the rock. Foolish man built his house upon the sand. And it went smash. You know how the song goes. Um, do you know what Jesus is trying to illustrate? Those who build their lives upon the solid foundation of my word. They're like a wise man building his house upon a rock foundation. Right? Those who choose to neglect the word of God in their homes and in their lives, and they build their life on their own experience and in worldly wisdom and worldly knowledge, and they set me aside and they do not make me the priority, they do not allow the word of God to have the final authority within their, their lives and their home, they're like the, the foolish man who built his house upon sandy ground. The storms of life come, and they do come for both. Storms of life come, the man who built his house upon that sandy foundation, it crumbles. Do you realize that sometimes it takes a while for a home to crumble? Just because your home is not crumbling today does not, not, does not mean that you should not put into practice the word of God in it right now. Well, it's been working thus far. I've been skating by with what, I, what, no, 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 today, right now, there needs to be decisions in our hearts that is, Lord, your word is going to be center in our home. It's not going to be just something my children see us opening up on Sunday. It's going to be something that we're opening up, and we are making the center of our home every day. So trust in Jesus, that makes us a Christian home. When all the members within the home, and that's an individual decision, you can't tell your children to trust Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. You can lead them to it. You should uh, share the gospel with them. And if you've not yet received Jesus Christ, I hope that you will today. But a Christ-centered home is one where the word of God, the instruction of the Lord Jesus Christ, is the final authority and the guide for daily living. See, a Christ-centered home will be a successful home. This does not happen by accident. I'm a pastor, it doesn't happen by accident. In my home, it doesn't happen by accident. Why? Because you know as well as I do that our lives are crazy. Are they not? Is there not so much pulling at our lives? Does it not seem like it just the, the noise of this world is, is just is at, a, at the loudest we've ever heard it? It's just, it's there. It's not going to happen by accident, friends. It's not going to happen in Christmas week. Just because it's Christmas week does not mean your home's going to be Christ-centered unless you choose to make that the case. That's your choice. That's your choice. I want to finish with this question. Have you ever thought why, um, why Joseph and Mary was the home in which God chose to place Jesus, the Messiah, and allow him to be raised there? Have you ever thought about that? 
kind of an interesting, interesting question. Uh, two things in Matthew 1 that you find. Jesus was going to be the name of the Messiah. Joseph was told to name the son this, right? And the last phrase of this, of this passage is that he did that. Do you realize that Joseph in the naming, names were really important that day, Joseph in the naming of this was acknowledging who Jesus was? He was acknowledging, yes, this is the Messiah. I, I believe what God has said and I acknowledge it. You know, he could, have, he could have said, you know what? I don't care what the angel says. We'll, we'll go our own way. But no, he acknowledged, he realized this was the Son of God. And I, under, I believe that as he went on, on, on throughout his life, this would have become a, a greater understanding of what is God doing in our lives. But he acknowledged who Jesus Christ was. But do you, do you see that other thing there? That immediately when he woke up, he did exactly what the angel of the Lord had bidden him. Do you know that it is the exact same characteristic that Mary had? As soon as the angel told her what was going to be happening, you're going to be with child from the Holy Ghost, and you're going to bear this child. He's going to be the Savior of the world. And she said this, be it unto me as the Lord pleases. I'm your handmaiden. I'm your servant. Whatever you want. Do you know in their lives, before they even had a functioning home together, these two had a spirit toward the Lord whatever you say. Do you think that might be the reason that God said, there's the home? Can you imagine what God can do through your home in 2021 if you say as a family, yes, we trust the Lord, and that you've taken a personal account in your own life, have I trusted Jesus Christ? Do I know that my sins are forgiven? But beyond that, Jesus Christ is going to be the center of my home. And together as a family, you agree on that and you make that the focal point of your home. Jesus Christ is going to be the center of our home. Can you imagine the, the, the God-given success of that in your life? What I'm just encouraging with this morning, don't go to the world and don't go to all their helps and try to figure out what does it mean to have a successful home. Go to the Bible and allow God to make you a successful home as you make Jesus Christ the center of your home. In this season. Would you bow with me in prayer? I wonder this morning, is there anyone here that'd say, Pastor, as I heard the music this morning and heard the theme of this about trusting the Lord Jesus Christ, I am not certain that I have trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. I do not have an assurance in my heart, a confidence in my heart, that my sins are forgiven and that I have eternal life. You can say, Pastor Kagan, would you pray for me as you pray in a moment? Would you pray for me that, that God will give me clarity about that matter? I am interested. I, am, I, 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 I sense a need in my heart to get this taken care of. I don't know for certain that when I die, I'll spend eternity in heaven. Is there anyone like that here? Anyone at all? I don't know for certain that I'm saved. I want to, but I don't know this for certain. I don't have that confidence. Just put your hand up and put it back down. Amen. I'll pray for you. I'm going to say, Pastor...
in this time of the year. Even this short thought, devotional thought, has challenged me. I need to make Christ the center of my home. He hasn't been the center of my home, but I'm going to be making some changes going forward from this, this day by God's grace. Not by my own strength, but by God's grace, I'm going to be making some changes. There's some here this morning that God worked in your heart that way. Would you be willing to signify that with your hand? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. May God bless those decisions. Father, I pray for those that don't know you as Savior. I pray that you give them courage and full understanding. Would you enlighten their heart to the, the amazing, <laughs> the amazing gift of salvation. Lord, help them, I pray. I pray for these that have signified this morning that you're working in their heart. You're working in their heart about receiving Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. I pray that you'd help them. Pray also for those that need to make you the center of their home. Lord, give them grace. Help them to do it by your strength. And I pray also, Lord, that you give them willingness to reach out to other believers to ask for strength and accountability uh, to make certain that this happens, we pray in Jesus' name. With your heads bowed there in your seat as the music plays, I'm not going to ask you to come forward, but I am going to ask you to spend a few moments there with God. Lord, my home hasn't been very Christ-centered. I want it to be. Maybe even now you'd make the decision, I'm going to sit down with somebody and, and talk to them about receiving Jesus Christ. I have some more questions, but I'm going to make that decision. I'm going to sit down with somebody today and get this nailed down today so I can know for certain my sins are forgiven and that I have eternal life. We'd love to help you with that. Thank you for listening today. For more information about Grace Baptist Church, please visit our website at gracebaptistofkettering.org. And remember, you are always welcome at Grace Baptist Church.